If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. This podcast is intended for entertainment and opinion. Nothing discussed is meant to be a substitute for mental health treatment. If you are experiencing a mental health crisis, please call 988 or use the resources listed in the episode description. To see the sources and other resources mentioned in this episode, you can visit psychologicallymindedpod.com. To contact me with any questions or comments about this topic or upcoming topics, email me at psychmindedpod at gmail.com. And finally, please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and subscribe wherever you listen to get new episodes as they post. Enjoy this episode! Hello, and welcome to Psychologically Minded. I'm your host, Grace Fowler, and today we are talking about the most bizarre music video that I may have seen in a long time. For long-time listeners of the show, you'll know that I've done a few episodes before about the gentleman who made the music video we're talking about today, and that is Dr. Jordan B. Peterson, Canadian clinical psychologist turned alt-right media personality. You can go back and listen to episode 33, where I talked about Jordan Peterson having a tantrum about the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition, or episode 52, where I did a deeper dive into his ideology and how he uses certain psychological language to obscure his alt-right and fascist viewpoints. So as you can tell, I am not a big fan of Jordan B. Peterson, and I have a lot of critiques of the way that he presents himself on the internet. I think that I'm uniquely positioned to critique him because I am also a psychologist, and often the critiques of Peterson come from a political or cultural standpoint and not necessarily from people in the field with him. So whenever he does something out of pocket, I'm here to respond, (laughs) whether we all want to do this or not. (laughs) So the particular thing that I'm talking about today is a music video that Peterson posted to his YouTube channel um, on Halloween of 2023. I didn't see it until maybe a couple of months later, uh, and it wasn't until I showed the music video to my brother and we (laughs) had quite the conversation about it that I was like, okay, I definitely want to do an episode on this music video. It is called The Postmodernist Drinking Song, and as of writing this script, it has 852,000 views and 50,000 likes. A lot of the comments on the video are about how genius it is, how funny Peterson is. It's very clearly his fans who like the video. The description of the video is about how Peterson believes that postmodernism as a type of philosophical thought is becoming more dominant in academic spaces and that postmodernism rejects quote-unquote grand narratives, which is counterintuitive to Peterson's own beliefs. Uh, I talked about this in episode 52 where I talked more about him 
uh, and his ideology, but he's very against postmodernism. He thinks that it is the downfall of Western civilization. It Postmodernism is his number one enemy, public enemy number one for Jordan Peterson. And a lot of why he doesn't like postmodernism is that a lot of his ideology is about myths and archetypes and this belief that there are a few powerful stories and myths that get retold throughout society and those should guide the way that we act um, because they are like repeating patterns. He's a Jungian psychologist too. He pulls from Jung a lot and this is a kind of Jungian thing that with the collective unconscious there are like only so many stories that we can have. They're all like repeats of each other. So rather than deconstructing or moving away from those stories, um, there there's power in identifying and living into these grand narratives, as he calls them. In fairness, I will read the chunk of the description that I think is relevant. And this is the actual text from the YouTube description that Peterson uploaded. It says, quote, postmodernism is a school of thought increasingly dominant in what still passes for the modern academy that famously rejects, quote, grand narratives, collective myths that never had a reality, unquote, as certain philosophers have it. Equally famously, however, the same thinkers turned post-rejection to the murderous blandishments of the Marxist story, which has in turn based on an even longer tradition of Luciferian arrogance and bitter resentment. No grand narrative except, of course, that of power, with a nice dollop of immature hedonism tossed in just to sweeten the pot. Unquote. Uh, that is gibberish to me. <laughs> that's, I will say that's my, that's my professional opinion. That is absolute gibberish. And this is a very good example of what I've talked about in episodes before where I've talked about this man as he uses this language, this like academic language of intelligentsia to seem like he is saying something very important. And really, I couldn't begin to tell you what he's saying in this, in this thing. There's a link in the middle of it to someone else's article <laughs> like he, they just like randomly in the middle so i don't know if he's citing someone um he does manage to bring marxism into it that's that's his other big public enemy number one is is marxist and as i talk about in past episodes this is an anti-semitic dog whistle to say cultural marxism this is something that peterson talks about a lot in his work so all i can tell you from this paragraph is that he seems to be upset about postmodernism as a school of thought um and he seems to think that postmodernism is just about seeking pleasure that's what the hedonism is about so the kind of framing he's setting this video up to is that postmodernists or the left or Antifa or any other of the kind of alt-right boogeymen, all they want you to do is numb your brain in the pursuit of pleasure and to not kind of pursue these like grander things in life, like virtues and values that Peterson sees as part of like the modernist tradition versus the postmodern tradition. So in fairness to this man, I have watched his video a couple of times. I've thrown him a couple of AdSense dollars, so I hope that he appreciates that. Um, but I'm going to just kind of go through the music video and give you some of my impressions. Um, I will link it in the sources pages just because, you know, it is a source that I'm using if you want to watch it for yourself. Um, I don't know. I don't, I'm not going to say don't go watch it or not, or, or do, uh, I will say if you do engage with his content, uh, I do encourage you to not leave comments, um, that are hateful or hurtful. 
that you can leave comments to engage in the material, but I encourage you to not, um, you know, bully anyone on the internet, even though, you know, some people deserve it, but I'm just saying, like, you can engage with the content in a meaningful way. Um, so yeah, let's just kind of jump right in. So the, the beginning of the video is Jordan Peterson is playing the main character. He is the focus of the music video, which is a bold choice for someone who is not an actor or musician, as far as I know. Um, he appears to be playing this kind of middle class or working class character who is dressed in a like food service uniform, but the name of the restaurant he works for is the Taco Gulag. Peterson loves to throw around the phrase gulag because he's like kind of obsessed with Russian, uh, well not Russian, but like Soviet Union, um, authoritarianism. Uh, he apparently like collects posters, propaganda posters, and other kind of archetypes, arch- uh, things like knickknacks from the Soviet Union. So gulag is like his kind of go-to word when describing something. So he's obviously setting up this to be a character who is supposed to represent kind of like the the day-to-day working man and the kind of doldrums that they're trapped in. And interesting to note is that in the music video, he does seem to be in a messy room. There's like pizza boxes and things thrown all over the room. The bed's not made. And when he sits down to take off his taco gulag hat, he just like throws it into the corner. This is a callback to one of Peterson's uh, 12 rules for life. His One of his rules is clean your room. Uh, as I've talked about before, I do give him credit. That's good advice. Like having a messy space is detrimental to your mental health. And sometimes the way to like pull yourself out of a depression spiral or an anxiety spiral is to clean up your environment, take care of yourself and the things around you. So he's showing us someone who, from his perspective, is depressed, is not taking care of himself, is not kind of living into any greater value. He just is working his, you know, grind, nose to the grindstone job, and then he comes home and immediately turns on the TV. So this is where it immediately gets weird. It just, it just, it just 30 seconds in and it's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. So he turns on the TV and he's watching the news and then immediately changes the channel and sees himself as a puppet. So it's Jordan Peterson as a puppet speaking um, like something that sounds like his kind of typical spiel. Um, But the taco gula guy is not interested in listening to Jordan Peterson. Why would the working man want to listen to a philosopher and a psychologist when he could just watch the news or watch things that make him feel good? So he immediately changes the channel and this is when the song starts. I will also note that in the description of the YouTube video, Peterson says that he is modeling this song off of the traditions of British comedy like Monty Python. So it is intended to be funny. Take that with a grain of salt. I did not find it to be funny. I found it to be very confusing. Um, But it is apparently meant to be a satire or to be um, a comedy in some way. So as he changes the channel, the song starts up. And it's a a drinking song, obviously. And the main (laughs) lyrics are like, drink up. And then uh, the verses are about all these different like postmodernist philosophers that Peterson thinks are like part of the downfall of Western society. Um, the first thing that pops up is that it, 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 he is insinuating through the visuals and the song that people are just drinking a lot and like numbing themselves, numbing their minds. So 
I was like, let's check the data. <laughs> let's check the data. Are people out there just drinking themselves into oblivion every day? According to a Gallup poll um, that was released in 2022 that looked at data up through 20, from like the 1930s up to 2021, um, they noted that the rate of drinking was declining from 2019, where 65% of Americans stated they had had some sort of alcohol at any point in their life. It was down to 20 in 2021, it was down to 60% of Americans stated that they had alcohol at any point in their life. Now, it's important to understand that that was the question that people were asked. Had you had alcohol at any point in your life? It wasn't about, are you a weekly drinker? Are you a daily drinker? It's just, as of right now, our most recent data, 60% of Americans have had alcohol at some point in their life versus people who have totally abstained and never had any alcohol. The average number of drinks per week, according to this Gallup poll, was 3.6, which is down from four. Uh, so as of 2021, at 3.6. A couple years ago, it was about four drinks a week. So that's less than a drink per day if we're averaging it out uh, over the week. The highest rates of drinking that Gallup has collected was in 1977, where 71% of the population had had alcohol in some fashion. So rates do seem to be falling a little bit, um, but if you look at the, and I've linked the, the article I was looking at this from, you can see the graph, and it stayed like pretty consistent. It kind of fluctuates between the 60 to 70 range, um, at, like in the, the more modern decades. Um, it is... Important to note that the CDC cites that about 10% of the population have some sort of problem drinking behavior, so they meet the criteria for something like an alcohol use disorder. So about 10% of the U.S. population, which is about 30 million people, do struggle with an alcohol use disorder. That means about 270 million people are not having an issue with an alcohol use disorder in the way that we would diagnose it as a a substance use disorder condition. Um, so I just highlight that to say that, like, I, I don't know if this is Jordan Peterson's perception that people on the left or postmodernists or however he thinks it's the boogeyman are constantly drinking or using substances in some way. Um, but the data just like does not quite shake out. Like, yes, people are <laughs> engaging in alcohol use. The average number of drinks per week is about three, 3.6. We could round that up to a four, uh, which again is less than one drink per day over a standard week. As the music video goes on, um, the channels keep flipping back and forth and little puppet version of Jordan Peterson keeps popping up. But every time he's on screen for long enough, it like switches away. And it, to me, the symbolism of it appears to be that, you know, these, these, uh, People don't want to listen to, you know, someone who has something of substance to talk about. They just want to be seduced by the mindlessness nature of leftism and drinking and watching the news and protesting. <laughs> uh, he then, his first philosopher he gives a shout out to is Foucault, who was a French um, philosopher who wrote a lot about sexuality. Um immediately calls Foucault a pervert and then the images on screen insinuate that Foucault is a pedophile. It's like the little puppet of Foucault is surrounded by children and he's like in an ice cream truck luring children in and then like rubbing up on them. I looked into this because I, I didn't know if Foucault was known to be a pedophile or not. Um, and something that is challenging is that no articles from like mainstream news sources or 
even like academic sources come up. It's mostly like blog posts and op-eds. But if you try to Google these claims against Foucault, they all source back to someone named Guy Sorman, who accused Foucault of sexually abusing underage boys while he was teaching in a university in Tunisia in the 1960s. Um, Foucault has been dead for a long time. Um, and these accusations got brought up like within the last few years. Foucault's been dead since like the 80s, I think. Um, and this guy, this guy Sorman, this guy guy, <laughs> um, he has not had, he's not presented as far as I can find any corroboration from victims or any other sources at the time. Um, it's again, not been addressed by any major media sources and I'm not, and it seems to be from some of the blogs that I did peruse that the person who originally brought forth these accusations is someone who's more on the right wing and is pretty open about his desire to tarnish Foucault's, uh, reputation because he sees Foucault as like the source of all leftism or something which is so funny because Foucault is just like a guy <laughs> and he was uh he was a, like a Marxist philosopher and he did kind of tend more that way um but he also was accused of being a KGB agent <laughs> and he was accused of um like working for the CIA people just they accused him of a lot of things while he was alive um and i will say like i don't know if foucault did sexually abuse boys in tunisia or not it is not outside the realm of possibility especially considering the history of colonialism in africa and the role that the french had to play in it and at that time a french university in tunisia would probably not be the most safe place for people who lived in tunisia but I will say there's no like concrete evidence for this. And so it is, you know, maybe not the best thing to be insinuating in your silly little video by showing an image of Foucault, like rubbing up on little boy puppets. That seems, I don't know, that's a choice. That's a choice that I wouldn't make as a professional, but it is a choice that Jordan B. Peterson has made as a professional. And again, keep in mind that this is posted to his YouTube channel that is part of like his professional work. So he's making a stance here with the images and lyrics that he himself wrote that he's putting on uh, his YouTube channel on the public internet. Um, as the video goes on, we get a lot of imagery of uh, like lefty people with bright colored hair, which is like a right way, right wing way to make fun of lefty people. If you ever hear like blue haired, blue hairs, that's a way for them to say that like um, people who are on the left or hold these ideologies are, you know, like shouldn't be taken seriously and dressed in these certain ways that should be made fun of. Um, then the song moves on to make fun of Jacques Derrida, who is another French philosopher. Again, these are dead people that Peterson is like, I really need to take them down with my silly puppet movie. Um, Derrida created the idea of deconstruction, which is a type of philosophy that believes that language changes meaning and that you can deconstruct and understand the meaning of the text by looking at it in, in smaller um, pieces. Peterson hates deconstruction because he's like a literalist and he thinks that all things should mean the same thing forever. You, if you ever watch any of his like lectures or talks that he posts online, you can see that he gets like very upset about what he perceives to be changing definitions of things. This is also why he's such an anti-trans 
or person or a transphobe because he's like, oh, you're asking me to change the meaning of language, the meaning of gendered language. It's like things do change, though, my guy, like <laughs> things just be changing and we got to be OK with that. Um, like we just cannot be living this in the same kind of society that we lived in when we were living in caves and saber tooth tigers were a real problem. Um, he also does not like deconstructionism because it's critical of ancient philosophers like Plato, um, because obviously we're not going to just like look at things that Plato said in the 20th century or the 21st century and be like, yes, all of that is true and good and none of it should ever be examined. Like we live in a very different society and we, Plato would not be able to comprehend the modern world that you and I live in. He was living in a world where like they didn't even really know that the world was round. <laughs> like they, they thought that the sun was like pulled by a chariot. So like, you know, Plato was like by modern standards kind of a dummy. And it's okay that we don't interpret his work as like literal knowledge that should be carried forward. There are contributions to the canon that Plato and Socrates have made that we continue to use. But that doesn't mean that everything needs to be unexamined. And Peterson does not like that. He is like very anti-deconstructionism. And he also interprets deconstructionism as a way to like um, denigrate and get rid of the contributions of these philosophers. Um, next, he goes after ta Coates and Kimberly Crenshaw. These are both black authors who talk a lot about race in America. Kimberly Crenshaw is actually the pioneer of the term intersectionality, and she has a lot of academic work about how different social identities intersect with each other to create crossroads of oppression that are different than one identity on, by their, themselves. Um, Ta-Nehisi Coates is also someone that, like, the right just, like, loves to go after. I don't know why they hate him so much. Probably because he very openly talks about reparations, uh, and is just a black man. And, like, I don't know, that just doesn't seem to go over well with <laughs> the far right. Um, but don't worry, they follow up this little dig at Ta-Nehisi Coates and Kimberly Crenshaw with a quote-unquote prayer that Judith Butler quote-unquote fades away, which... If I were litigious and Judith Butler, I would interpret that as a death threat and maybe do something about that. Um, but yeah, Judith Butler is another person that the right hates because a lot of Butler's uh, academic work is on gender and queer theory. It's also important to note that in the video, they refer to Judith Butler as she and several years before this video came out, Butler publicly announced that they go by they, them pronouns and do sometimes use she, her pronouns, but prefer they, them pronouns. So just a nice little cool misgendering right in the middle of it. And I, if I were more of a conspiracy theorist, would see that as intentional because Peterson built his career off of refusing to properly gender people and use their pronouns. Um, that was why he blew up on the internet, which again, I go over in episode 52 if you want more of a deep dive on it. But I do think that it's important to keep reminding people <laughs> that this is a man whose career was built off of literally throwing a tantrum about having to sometimes be corrected about the pronouns that he used when speaking to students. Okay, that's how his career on the internet got started. Before that, Pearson was just an academic and he had a small clinical practice and was like chugging right along. But he blew up in the public eye because he basically said this, that the government of Canada would put him in jail for misgendering a student. And that is not true. 
So yeah, he he's hit on all these um, philosophers. And again, Butler is one of particular ire because they write about um, gender. My favorite work of Butler's is um, their theory about gender as performance and that that is how we um, can conceptualize gender, that it is a performance we do for other people around us to make our outward gender match our our inward gender. Um, then we get to a weird point in the middle of the video where a man in a pig mask delivers meatballs to Jordan Peterson. And before he can walk away, Jordan puts lipstick on the pig, which I think has something to do with communism. I don't understand the meatballs part. And then for the next, like, 45 seconds of the video, um, it's just images of Jordan Peterson eating meatballs. Incomprehensible to me. I have no other thoughts about it aside for that. It baffles me. Um, the next philosopher that the song attacks is Andrea Dworkin. Um, they are particularly upset about the fact that she has a history of sex work. Um, they, they literally say that in the song that she, something about like she was a hooker or something, which it's like, okay, <laughs> we're, it's the year 2023 and we're upset that people engage in sex work. Uh, if you don't know, Dworkin is a well-renowned radical feminist philosopher. She was a very anti-pornography. Um, she has a very famous essay where she says that all sex is rape. Um, because of like the kind of power dynamics between men and women. Um, she comes out of the rad femme movement of like the 70s, so she's a little out there. Um, but it is interesting because she's very anti-pornography. She thinks that pornography is like exploitative, um, and that kind of was like what a lot of her work was built around. The, these right-wing guys, people like Jordan Peterson, they hate pornography too. So I don't understand what they have against Dworkin because they should be on the same side of being against pornography. The motivations are different. Dworkin says that pornography is bad because it's exploitative of women. And these right-wing guys don't like pornography because, I don't know, it make, makes you weak or something. <laughs> or like, they, I think they look at it as like a behavioral addiction that like stunts men from reaching their full potential. Different journeys, but the same end of being against porn. So I really don't know why they're so upset about her, but they really are. And they have little pigs come out and dance when they talk about Dworkin, which... I don't know. <laughs> I don't I don't like the puppets. I'll be honest about that as well. Um, and then the last um, philosopher, academic they shout out is Robin D'Angelo. Um, she gets a little shout out at the end because she is a white person who talks about race. I am willing to give them a little bit of critique of D'Angelo because uh, she has been critiqued for focusing on more like corporate DEI presentations and, you know, charging a lot of money to go in and talk about these like racial considerations um, to capitalists, basically. Uh, and, you know, I think there's like a valid criticism there of, you know, what what is the purpose of doing like corporate DEI work if we're if we're not like making things better for people, we're just making, you know, powerful white people feel like they did something and not necessarily like that a change has been made. However, I don't think that that's the critique <laughs> that Peterson is leveling against her. Um, most of her work is about white fragility, which they perceive as, um, you know, all white people should constantly feel bad about themselves and you should berate your children for being white. Um, so they don't like her for those reasons. So I would have been willing to give them a little pass there, but I'm going to have to take it back. <laughs> 
Um, then as we're nearing the end of the video, Peterson starts to kind of wig out in his room and then he starts to get dressed in what is supposed to be Antifa clothes. Um, he puts on a black sweater, he puts a bandana over his face, and then he puts a surgical mask over the bandana, which I thought it was a particularly nasty little move. Um, because it's like saying that people who are against fascism are little dummies because they think that COVID is real. And isn't that so silly that they would put double face masks on um, when they're going out in the world and they think that masking is going to help? Um, I don't know if Peterson super... I haven't seen many of his takes on COVID, but the more general right-wing approach on COVID has been like that it's not real and masks don't help and yada, yada, yada. Um, you then see him packing up a backpack with like a piano wire grot and like spray paint and stuff. And so the message is that he's going to go join the protest that he's seeing on the news and he's been drinking in his room, uh, you know, swayed by all these postmodernist th thoughts. And now that he's good and drunk and fired up, he's going to go out in the streets and do property damage, which is the worst crime imaginable to the right wing. I think Peterson's message is pretty clear that he thinks postmodernism is so devoid of any substance um, that it leads to like this violence and mob mentality. And he's painting all of the protests and especially the police brutality protests with the same brush um, that they're not really rooted in anything important, but are more like reactionary or um, more fueled by kind of like the hedonism of postmodernism and people are just protesting and breaking stuff because it feels good and not necessarily because it has a meaning meaning which I think is is rude <laughs> first of all um and also ignores the fact that alongside a long history of the pro of protest in America has been rooted in a very specific type of political political ideology um specifically like more left-wing protest there is an ideology alongside um these protests and in fact people are in the streets to give direct action to the values and theory that they have developed about how the world works and how they would like to make change so to just say that it's people like getting drunk getting caught up in the moment and just kind of moving through life without any real values because of postmodernism really diminishes the work and the theory that goes into these kinds of direct actions. Um, also, I will say there are a lot of right-wing celebs making the little appearances in this video. We got a Ben Shapiro and we got a Dave Rubin and I probably will do an episode on Dave Rubin in the future because he fascinates me um, because he is openly gay and has had children with his husband through a surrogate. And those are two things that the right wing absolutely hate. And so all of his little right wing buddies, there's so many clips of them just like openly saying to his face that they would not go to his wedding if they were invited and that they don't approve of his relationship. And Dave Rubin just like keeps shucking along, <laughs> keeps wanting to hang out with these guys. So, you know, there's something psychologically interesting about that to me. Um, but, you know, it's like, who you associate with says a lot about who you are. And so the fact that like, these are the people that Peterson has in his video, you know, shows you a lot about who he is, if this is who he's associating with. Um, at the end of the day, the video is filled with a lot of stereotypes, like the blue hair thing, the um, like drinking thing, the <laughs> horrible accusations against people like Foucault and reducing these political movements down to something as simple as like hedonism and heat of the moment. 
my take on it is as a psychologist, this is not how I would approach people that I disagree with. And I'm just saying in my kind of personal, a personal opinion here. I disagree with a lot of people on the internet. Like, let's be honest. It's I mainly disagree with people like Jordan Peterson. Um, But if I wanted to engage with people who disagree with me, I don't think making a four and a half minute video making fun of them and insinuating that their ideals are baseless and vapid, I don't know if that's the right way to get my message across. I definitely don't think accusing people of being pedophiles is a way to get your message across. And we have seen that go south so many times on the internet. So not something that I personally would do. Now, Jordan B. Peterson is an individual man with his own autonomy, and he's allowed to make decisions about his career that he'd like to make. I'm not going to make the same decisions, and that's the beauty of free will, right? We don't all have to make the same decisions. But I would just pause it. I would just throw out there to think about it, to think about, hmm, is this someone that I would want to be taking advice from or looking up to in terms of my mental health if this is how they approach the world and how they approach people that disagree with them? Is it okay for this type of like psychological, philosophical influencer to be engaging with people in this way? Now, I understand that it's a comedy. He says it in the description. You know, it's supposed to be a little satirical. It's supposed to be poking fun. But, you know, I'm also allowed to have an opinion (laughs) and to say that I didn't think it was very funny. I I honestly found it mostly to be bizarre. Um, And I will just tack on there that this is a person who has very openly and publicly struggled with a substance use issue. Um, So once again, I am baffled at the like insensitivity around alcohol use and potential problem alcohol use from someone who has had to deal with that struggle in their own lives. And again, I don't want to get into like the weeds of it. I don't want to gossip about him. And I'm definitely not diagnosing him with anything. But this is, it is documented that he had a dependence on a substance, on benzodiazepines. So I don't know, to then like make a drinking song and and insinuate that uh, postmodernism or leftist values are just a result of like drunkenness basically, or just trying to like numb your mind. I don't know. I ha- I, I maybe would have a little more compassion for that perspective if I had gone through something very similar. Um, so just, it just continues to baffle me the way that this man moves through the world. Um, I, you know, maybe he's my public enemy number one and that's okay. <laughs> but I do, I do just want to like keep reminding people that this is a man who is a psychologist. He has a degree in psychology. Um, and this is how he's moving through the world. He's done some other stuff recently. He had Matt Reif on his show, who's the comedian who made a really tasteless joke about domestic violence and Peterson defended the joke and used it as as an example of masculinity or whatever and you know he's just always popping off on Twitter or X or whatever it's called these days so I'm sure he will do something a little silly again in the future that I can make a little episode about Um, but for now I just I had to address the music video because it was so weird. It was so weird. And I was so confused by it. Um, And maybe that's what he feels about postmodernism. Maybe I can relate to him on that level. Maybe he feels weirded out and a little confused by postmodernism. And I could say, I understand you, Jordan B. Peterson. I understand that feeling. (laughs) Okay, I'm going to end it here before I end up ranting and raving any longer. So I will just say, as always, thank you for listening all the way through to the end. And I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.